0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckry here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, maybe the Braves were on to something. Would it be a disappointment if Bijan didn't get a thousand yards? And if he stays, he needs to produce. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckry, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And we are now on the SiriusXM app. Yes, we are on SiriusXM. Check us out on that platform as well. And then follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH 316. So as the Braves swept the Marlins yesterday and took care of their business against you know the floundering marlins and now 15 and 3 on the road, a remarkable record. But maybe the Braves were on to something. Okay. Let me give you just some raw numbers, okay? Just giving you an idea of the defensive numbers for shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. So let's start with Orlando Arcia. He started 13 games this year. He played 111 innings in 61 chances. He had 22 putouts, zero errors, and was responsible for 11 double plays, okay? Now, compare that to Vaughn Grissom, who has started 17 games. He's had 150 innings, 61 chances the same as what Arcia has, but he's got five errors and he's only started eight double plays. Now, I'm not saying that Vaughn Grissom has been a problem at shortstop or this or that or whatever, but maybe the Braves were on to something. Again, they watched him every day. They watched Arcia and Vaughn Grissom and they watched every day in spring training and all the reps and all the innings and everything <clears throat> they watched him through his minor league career maybe they understood better than what we did obviously that maybe Arcia was the better option for now at shortstop and maybe Vaughn Grissom wasn't a guy that was ready to take over the everyday role you know Grissom has been fine with the bat I mean we knew that he was going to be okay with the bat you know he's had couple of good moments. Obviously RC has had some really good moments with the bats because it was completely unexpected. You know, we didn't look at arcia as a guy who would really provide any kind of offensive punch for this team. So, anything that he did felt like it was going to be a bonus with the bat, but we understood defensively that he was going to be a pretty good shortstop and he can handle the workload. Now, the fact that, you know, again, and this is a small sample size, and, you know, we'll see what happens over the course of the year, but you look at the fact that Arcia has had 61 chances with no errors, von Grissom has had that same 61 chances with five errors, and Arcia has created three more double plays in less innings <clears throat> than what Von Grissom has created. So, you know, again... Maybe we should give the Braves a little bit more credit for, you know, maybe getting this right. Because we were all frustrated going into the regular season with the notion that, well, it should be Vaughn Grissom. It should be Shoemaker, and all this. And, and I was guilty of that as well. Like, I was scratching my head saying that, okay, they're going to send Shoemaker and Vaughn Grissom down to Gwinnett. They're going to send both of those guys down there. And neither of them is going to start with the big league club. Garcia is going to be our everyday shortstop to replace Dansby. And we've gotten used to the idea of, we haven't had good defense. We've had elite level defense at shortstop, right? And maybe we didn't appreciate Dansby in some ways with how good of a defensive player that he was. Maybe we didn't, maybe we kind of understood that Dansby was a really good defensive shortstop, but didn't maybe appreciate everything that Dansby brought to the table. And now with Von Grissom, and look, he's playing because is hurt and they don't really have a choice. Tr- now, I-, I will say that if when Arcea comes back and, you know, he's starting to take some grounders and, you know, he's starting to get back in the flow a little bit and not quite ready and all that to come back yet. But I, I would think that, you know, again, we asked about the idea of, okay, if Von Grissom has gotten this shot can he take the position? Can, can he do enough to take the position away from Arcia? Well, I don't know that he's done that. And, and I'm not knocking Von Grissom. I mean, I, I still think that he can be a long-term viable option. at shortstop for the Braves, but the numbers are the numbers. And it's not like Von Grissom is getting his first major league exposure. He was up here for half the year last year. And the funny thing is, he was playing a different position than what he was playing in the minors last year. He had to move over to second base to take over for Ozzy when Ozzy got hurt. So it's not like he was not like he was in a comfortable position, you know, that he was playing. He was playing out of position from what he had played the vast majority of his career in the minors. And I'm one of those people that thought that, Hmm, okay, well this will be an easy transition. He's been a shortstop for the Braves in their minor league system. He's, he certainly showed last year he could be capable with the bat. Surely he can handle the everyday grind of the defense, you know, that shortstop brings. And look, it kind of is a testament to the idea of playing shortstop in major league baseball. Ain't that easy. I mean that when we've, we've talked about this before, that is a premium, premium, premium position. Maybe one could argue that shortstop's the most important defensive position on the club, that you're going to get a lot of action at shortstop. You're responsible for a lot of things. You can create a lot of outs at shortstop, even when you get guys on base, obviously. So shortstop is a real premium position. You know, we've seen through the years that you can have guys that are really good defensively and don't bring you anything with the bat And those teams still value guys like that. You know, I mean, go way, way back. The Mark Belangers of the world, right? You know, who couldn't hit his weight. But if you can play great defensive shortstop, and the Braves talked about this specifically, and this is where I'll give Alex Anthopoulos and this organization credit, that they were very clear (coughs) about the idea of Arcia being able to handle this load. And even though he hadn't played regularly since 2019, that's the last time he was really starting games for a major league club. He's been able to hold that job down and he did a really good job. And we kind of, you know, look, we talked about his offense, like, okay, well, you know, he's hitting 300 and this, that, and the other. I, I understand now, like I, I understand now. And, and I don't want to say it's just a bonus. I mean, that's not this, that's being almost disrespectful to, to what he is, but when you look at the raw numbers and you look at the innings and the games played and just some of the raw you know raw defensive numbers just cursory numbers without getting into f war and fu and f this and war this and we're going to battle this or whatever you know if you just look at the raw numbers 150 innings with 5 errors and 61 chances and 8 double plays versus 111 innings with no errors 11 double plays in the same 61 chances it does say a lot to what arcia was able to do and obviously holding down that grind of everyday shortstop defense so again maybe the braves were on to something and maybe obviously they really understood a lot better than what we did we got caught up in the emotion of the issue all right let's talk about our friends over at built bar listen you're looking for those healthier snacks as we're trying to get in shape for the season, right? It's almost beach season, right? So we're almost in summertime, so we're getting through spring, headed towards summer. Built Bars got you covered with the healthiest snacks out there in the marketplace. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now we have multiple ways where you can get a hold of your Built Bars. You want to go to built.com, go online get your built bars put your order in they always have great flavors coming out every month okay you can do that but if you want to grab a hold of your built bars instantly now you can head to the pharmacy section of walmart or head over to sam's club and grab your box of built bars right off the shelf so whether you want to go the brick and mortar route of going to walmart sam's club grabbing them right off the shelf or if you want to go online and have the convenience of shopping online, now Built Bar is giving you more options for getting a hold of your healthiest snacks. So, how big of a disappointment would it be if Bijan Robinson doesn't run for a thousand yards in this offense this year? So we obviously saw Tyler Algier, Cinderella story come out of nowhere in all this and run for a thousand yards in only seven starts. Okay. And, you know, obviously he was kind of one of the real surprises of this offensive unit. And it did speak to how well the Falcons ran the football, right? They were third in the NFL in rushing yards. They were two yards away from being the second best rushing team in the league, right? I mean, they, they, Tyler Algier averaged 4.9 yards per carry. I mean, an outstanding number and an outstanding season all the way around. Would I be disappointed if, Bijan robinson didn't match some of that same production no not really because i think when you look at what Bijan robinson is going to be to this offense it's not just he's going to be a pure running back and just line up in the eye and take carries and take snaps obviously everybody with the falcons has talked about his versatility and i understand that gets to be one of those buzzwords and, you know, one of those platitudes and campaign slogans, you know, versatility, right? I mean, that's like with the Hawks, communicative and collaborative, right? I mean, we hear those buzzwords, but, you know, we're like, "Eh, okay, you know, but certainly from a standpoint of what the Falcons want to do, they want that versatility. So, again, whether B. John Robinson is – catching passes out of the backfield, you know, he's running out in the flat and catching some passes, or maybe he plays in the slot or whatever, you know, again, we, I, I saw a comparison that said, you know, he's the closest thing to Marshall Falk. I mean, okay, let's slow down on the Marshall Falk talk. Like Marshall Falk, I can tell you that that guy was the best offensive player I've ever seen in my lifetime in the NFL. Like he was the premium guy. So, I appreciate the comparisons and all that kind of stuff, but we're way far away from talking about Marshall Falk, a Super Bowl champion, MVP, Hall of Famer, first ballot, one of the best offensive players in the history of the league. He could do everything. He could split out wide as a wide receiver, and he could also line up in the eye and just pound it inside. So let's not go down those comparisons for now. But we certainly know that he is going to be a versatile threat and a versatile weapon when you talk about when you talk about what he can do in this offense. So again, it's not just going to be the idea of he's going to line up in the eye behind key Smith and they're just going to pound it on the inside. There will be some of that, you know, there will be some of that, but I think you look at all purpose yards. When you look at what B John Robinson brings to the table and my most important statistic because I do think that, and, and we'll talk about this at some point, that the Falcons have to be an elite red zone offensive team. You can't keep selling me on Johnu Smith and Kyle Pitts and Drake London and B. John Robinson. You can't sell me on all those guys, and then we're not an elite red zone offense. That's the first thing that's got to happen. Is I mean, we got to be top five in the red zone. But again, we'll talk about that at another time. But I'm disappointed if B. John Robinson is – Let's say 750 yards, eight touchdowns, catches 50 pass, 45, 50 passes out of the backfield. Like that wouldn't be a that would not be a year that I would look at and say, oh, okay, well, that's a disappointment because Algier ran for a thousand yards. You know, we look at Algiers year, and and you know, if we look at it sort of in a vacuum, I mean, with the injuries at running back and things like that. Algier was given an opportunity. And hopefully that doesn't happen with B. John Robinson, that guys have to get hurt to get more playing time. And, and even with Algier, he only started seven games. So it's not like that. And, and look, coming into the season, he was a guy that was looked at as he can do a lot of things in our offense, but he's not our every down back, you know, starter every week and things like that. And then was pressed in the (coughs) duty, especially when Cordero Patterson got hurt. So you kind of had to do that. But obviously, if things work themselves out right, you know, there'll be a steady distribution of carries, whether it's B. John Robinson, whether it's Tyler Algier, whether it's even Cordero Patterson, you know, they'll use those guys in all different ways. So I won't be disappointed if we look up and say, wow. B. John Robinson had, you know, 750 yards rushing. He averaged almost five yards a carry, had eight touchdowns and, you know, caught again, 45 passes out of the backfield. I'm not going to be disappointed if he has one of those kinds of years, because again, his value, first off, will be in the red zone more than anything. That's where his value is really going to be that he's listen what I will be disappointed in, okay, is if he's 750 yards, you know, 45 receptions and he's two touchdowns, <coughs> you know, that's the Kyle Pitts thing. Well, he got a thousand yards. Yeah. He got a thousand yards in 17 games and he only had three touchdowns. How big was his impact at that point? So again, if he's 750 yards and 45 receptions, an average in 4.9 yards a carry, but he's two touchdowns. Well, then I'm going to be like, eh, okay, well, how versatile was he? You know, how how much did we get versatility out of it? You know, and I'm not going to compare the Todd Gurley thing. I know people have compared that. Well, he was the offensive, you know, he was the offensive rookie of the year and all that. Okay. I mean, that's great. You know, you know when the Rams really got good, when Jared Goff was playing really well, you know? They, they were seven and nine. His, he was the offensive rookie of the year and they were seven and nine. Like how good was it? how much was that impacting things? Right. How much did an impact did that really have with his rookie season? But again, that's another discussion for another day. I know people, I know people don't like to hear about running backs that aren't impact players and all that, that's line of scrimmage. But anyway, so, um, but I won't be disappointed if Bijan isn't a thousand yard running back. Could he be a thousand yard running back? Absolutely. No question about it. He can certainly be a thousand yard running back when all is said and done, but would it be a disappointment if he's not that? No, no. If he can be a touchdown machine, if he can be an eight touchdown guy and run for 750 yards and catch 45 passes, then he is that versatile guy. Then he is that guy that we thought that could have all this versatility in an Arthur Smith offense. So, no, I will not be upset if B. John Robinson doesn't run for a thousand yards, but there better be some caveats and some other things that go along with it. All right. Once you've made Hitting Hard with John Chuck, when your first listen, make sure you go in as you listen to the podcast and leave us a comment in the comment section of whatever platform that you're on that you are an everyday listener. We call them our everydayers. So, make sure you leave us a note that you are an everyday listener to the podcast. I had somebody text me on the radio station last night and said, hey, I'm an everydayer." So I thank you so much and thank you so greatly for being a part of our growing community as, again, we're heading into year two and now on the SiriusXM app. So, uh, you know, obviously there's been a lot of angst about what Marcelo Zuna is and things like that. And here over the last couple of days, you know, he's had – big games, right? He had the Grand Slam a couple of nights ago, you know, had the other home run in the game, drove in five runs, right? Then yesterday in the game, he hit another homer, drove in, you know, a run, and all of a sudden now he's kind of got his home run stroke back, right? Now, I understand that Marcelo Zuna is a polarizing figure, right? And, And a lot of Braves fans want him gone and and I would not be upset if he was DFA at some point but here's the reality of the situation okay while the Braves are battling injuries while they are trying to fight through what they've got going on right now and, and look they're the they're the best team in the National League okay so let's not boo hoo you know for the what the what the Braves are right now they're the best team in the National League I don't care about the Pittsburgh Pirates and all none, none of that matters to me they're the best team in the National League so while we're booing, you know, boo hooing and poo-pooing and all these other kinds of things about it, okay. And let's face it, they are not they are not ready to just DFA and eat 37 million dollars of Marcelo Zuna's money. Yeah, I know Jason Hayward was DFA'd, he had 23, 24 million. Yeah, I know Madison Bumgarner was DFA'd, he had 34, 35 million dollars, whatever. Okay, I get all that. But this organization isn't willing to just suck it up and take it on the chin and hand out $37 million for Marcelo Zuna to just walk away from this team. They're going to play him, and they're going to give him every opportunity to either stand up straight and get on his feet or just completely collapse underneath the weight of his own body and fall fall into a pit, right? So if Marcelo Zuna is going to be here and they're not going to DFA him, and they're not going and they're still going to give him opportunity, then he better play and hit. And I know a lot of fans are like, well, you know, if he fails, then we can get rid of him faster. Yeah, but they're not necessarily going to do that though. You know, if you weren't going to get rid of him when he was hitting 085 for the first month of the year, you know, I mean, you had plenty of opportunity. Like it didn't take a whole lot to see that, oh, okay, this guy's hitting 085. Can he really do anything? I mean, obviously, he doesn't play defense. He doesn't run the bases. I mean, he doesn't steal a base. He he doesn't dominate lefties. I mean, he doesn't do all these different things, right? So there's plenty of opportunity to go in there and say, eh, okay, we can live without all of this. But they're not doing that. And if he's going to play, then he needs to produce. And it's good for the Braves that he produces. He's been a big piece of why they've won over the last couple of nights. You know, listen, Dylan Dodd was kind of scrambling, rambling, bumbling, stumbling, you know, kind of fighting his way through, right? Six innings, eight hits, three runs, three walks, right? You know, kind of just grinded out for six innings yesterday. Well, I mean, look, it was aided by Marcelo Zuna in the offense, in the bottom part of their offense over the last couple of nights, getting some runs yesterday and still finding a way to get six runs when all was said and done, right? So if he's going to be here, it's only good for the Braves that he produces. And I ask the question, I say, are you for him or against him? Because you have to be for him. If you're a fan of the Braves, the, the Braves logo on the front of the jersey versus the name on the back of the jersey, and you want to see them win, then you want Marcelo Zuna to be something. You want him to succeed well but that means he's going to be here longer yeah but at the same time if he can find a way to increase his trade value and and no make no mistake about it that even if the Braves are able to trade Marcelo Zuña they're going to have to eat some of that money like no team is just arbitrarily taking on his contract for the 37 million and again I know it's prorated now at this point okay so I'm I'm I got all that right okay but <clears throat> no one's taking on the 37 million dollar contract of Marcelo Zuna like nobody's taking that on so if you're gonna move him the Braves are going to have to pay a part a portion of that contract they're gonna have to eat some of that money but if they can get anything back in return or a, a team picks up some of the money you know again I I don't care what that percentage is or whatever like that you know I- whatever it ends up being. But if a team will pick up some of that money when all is said and done, that's only good for the Braves. So meanwhile, as long as he plays well and he's here and he's going to play, then he needs to produce because the better he does, the better the Braves are. And the more it strengthens and lengthens that lineup. And without Travis Darnot at DH right now, and obviously Harris getting just back in the flow of things, Right and all these different injuries that the Braves have battled through this year. You know, we saw Michael Harris get hurt again. You know, Ronnie got plunked on the shoulder. You know, again, you never know when you need guys to step up. And Azuna's done it the last couple few nights. And, yeah, you still look at all the numbers and say, okay, well, he's only hitting 153, and he's got five homers and eight RBI. Yeah, but a week ago, he was two homers, two RBI, and was hitting 085 progress, baby steps, right? Little baby steps in progress. It's again, if he's going to be here and they're not going to DFA him and he's going to stay with the club and try to work himself out of this funk, then he needs to produce. And it's only good for the Braves that he figures out a way to be an offensive weapon again for the spread. Will he ever be what he was in the pandemic year? Not a chance. Will he be what he was in his free agent walk year with the Miami Marlins, where he was 37 homers, 124 RBIs, and hit 312? Not a chance in the world. But he can have some value and he can contribute. And right now, the Braves can have the Braves need certainly all hands on deck to produce for them and obviously lengthen this lineup as they continue to roll on the road. And look, they're gonna face a whole string of American League teams coming up here. You know, and they're going to start, you know, uh, over this weekend with the Baltimore Orioles and they're going to play a whole bunch of interleague games. Hopefully Marcelo Zuna can figure some things out and he can continue this streak where he plays well and again, he gets a hold of a few, he can hit it out of the ballpark. That's the one thing that we know that he can do <clears throat> when it comes to baseball. He may not be able to run, may not be able to field, may not be able to steal a base. May not be able to score runs, may not be able to drive in runs without a home run, but when he gets his, when he gets the bat on the ball, it does tend to go a long way. And at least he's got that skill that maybe he can help the Braves out with. All right, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chucky, your first listen. Make sure when you go into the show that you get into the comments section of whatever podcast platform that you're on and leave us a comment that you are an everyday listener. We want to know who our everydayers are. So we always thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community and being a part of this journey as we are over a year now into this adventure. And of course, you can find us on Sirius XM now. That's the big breaking news is Sirius XM is where we can also be found. And then subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hittin' Hard as soon as they become available to you. Follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We will be back with you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.